The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Tuesday travel on the hard shoulder. John Davenport, where are we going this week for Tuesday travel? We're going on the Freedom Road, Kieran. Oh, where's that? The beginning of the Freedom Road. The beginning of the Freedom Road. Yeah. Somewhere in the US? <laughs> Come on. No. Where is it? Well, I mean, the US was involved, I will say. San Marie Eglise, Normandy. Normandy. To, where's the end of the Freedom Road? Berlin? No, it's, isn't in, um, oh, it's in Band of Brothers where they go in the forest in Belgium. Oh, Bastogne. Bastogne. Yes. Actually, that's the Freedom Road is like 1,100 kilometres that runs from Saint-Marie-Église in Normandy all the way to Bastogne, all across northern France. I think that's my favourite episode of Band of Brothers, Bastogne, it's, when they're in the forest. So, yeah, I, I think the whole I know series we, is, is splendid. We're getting lost down here, a little rabbit hole, getting lost but in the woods. oddly enough, you should say that because, so, yes, I was in Normandy. I went to Normandy for a few days, or my wife and I and the dog. Mm-hmm. Aha, I'll... It's very new for me, the idea of being able to take my dog off the island. Um, And I was really taken aback because one of the big attractions in this part of Cotentin, so, you know, just south of Cherbourg, that... So Cherbourg is at the top of a little peninsula or a peninsula called the Cotentin. And Saint-Marie-Église and Utah Beach and Saint-Marie-du-Mont are all there. And I thought, you know... Do the locals call it Utah Beach? Yes. Okay. Utah. Okay, oh, interesting. Well, uh, Uta, Uta yeah. Beach, yeah. And it is interesting, like Omaha and all the other ones. Yeah. And so... Because yeah, they're, they're, they're not a people famed for welcoming <laughs> the, the intervention of foreigners into or their the kind of... Or the Anglo-Saxon. Or the language no, of culture, you know? No, 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 no. Of absorbing Anglo-Saxon <laughs> yeah, names into you know, their... Yes. Famously the only air traffic controllers that won't speak in English. That's, you know? yes. So, and I... So... I'll get to it in more depth, but I was genuinely uh, really kind of, I found it very arresting. Not so much the beaches, because the beaches are just beautiful beaches. The museums are interesting and some of the monuments on Utah are are quite striking. But the villages, and particularly because I've seen Band of Brothers, and I know about the 82nd Airborne and the 101st, and I know that being blown off course and all of a sudden they found themselves in this village, Saint-Marie-Église, and that there was like intense firefighting with the Germans on the night of the 6th of June. And to go and see them nearly 80 years later was surprisingly arresting for me because I thought, you know, passage of time and all the rest of it and and you could. So, I mean... Do you want to start with the beaches or do you want to? Yeah, well, uh, before we get into that, I mean, is it all is it all World War II? No. Okay. I mean, no, that part of Cotentin is World War II and, and the Freedom Road. That's a big thing, you know. Yeah. It's, 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 and particularly around early June, it's just packed with visitors from all over the world. Um, but at other times, it's, and, and the other thing, and again with Band of Brothers, you'd remember in Band of Brothers, they kept referencing the hedges, these really thick hedges that yeah. were impenetrable and really hard to break through, they're still there. We, we had our car and we're driving around and these hedges that are two and a half metres high on both sides of the road. And so basically they block out the fields that you're driving past. And the whole time I'm going, oh my God, these hedges, they haven't changed a jot. These are the same hedges that 
They were right. The Stephen Ambrose wrote about in Band of You Brothers. were looking for a dead Germans left, right and centre, were you? Well, yeah, or, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. You can joke about that, can't you? I think you can. I guess you can, yeah. Um, listen, before we talk about the beaches, getting there, you mentioned the dog. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, so Stenaline earlier in the year, or early in the year, sorry, at the beginning of July, end of June, their new ship or their refitted ship, Stenavision, they're like sailing six days a week. And they have... Dog cabins. So they have 42 of them. And okay. so it's the big old ferry. And on deck seven, on two aisles, they have 21 and 21 dog cabins, which is effectively a cabin. But all they've done, as far as I can tell, is taken the carpet out. So if the dog soils the yeah. place, but the dog, it won't stain. The dog, my dog, and many dogs like her will not soil. Well-trained dogs like well, Luna. They just don't soil where they sleep, you know. They just won't. And... Uh, but this is a game changer, particularly given... But what, is there an area then on the boat yeah, that you so go the to back, if they do need to yeah, go for a pill? so they have like, they have a kind of designated deck at the back of the ship. And do you chuck it, that you pick it up and chuck it in the water or is no, there a bin? No, God, no, no. There's a bin and there's water and there's a brush and everything. I mean, it's all very... You chucked it in the water, no. Fionn. Well, no, but the, the odd thing was is the dog wouldn't go. Because oh, okay. my dog is very particular about where she goes about <laughs> her business. Look at me. She held it in for nineteen hours. Fair play. Lula. I know nineteen hours. Um, do you need Do you need a passport for a yeah, dog? So the dog needs a dog passport, and uh, so you know that has all of rabies and all their various mm. vaccinations, and you need to make sure that your dog is microchipped. And what I didn't realize until the day before I went is is that to return back to Ireland. Uh, it needs a worming tablet administered by a French vet. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's 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 some disease that they have in France that we don't have in Ireland, and I some some worm or some I don't, tapeworm maybe I don't know. Um, but it was, and I thought, oh no, this is going to really scupper my chance. I where I stayed, I stayed in a in a town called Bricquebec, like okay. like a small well medieval town. Unbelievable modern vet. There's three vets in the town. And he goes, the guy, the guy who's Jeet or who owned the Jeet I stayed made the joke. And he goes, yeah, there's three vets here. It's easier to get your dog seen than find a dentist. <laughs> so, and it was, it was absolute cinch. Made the appointment, went down. The vet spoke English. Uh, 30 quid later, the dog had been administered the thing, stamp in the passport and away she went. So it was All fine. Right. It was not a problem. Um, th- so that was it. So, and... And the idea of being able to take your dog. So you can keep the dog in the cabin. You can take her for walks on the back of the ship. Um, and then, look, when we went for dinner, and this is another thing. I haven't taken the ferry in a very long time. Mm. The, the long ferry. Yeah. The one from Rosslare. Quality of the food, Karen, absolutely brilliant. Really? Yeah. Buffet, all you can eat. Really, really good. Okay. It's not your uh, just like soggy egg and chips from yesteryear. This is, is good. Okay. Because it is yesteryear. Yeah, since I was there. I think it's about 13, 14 maybe when I was um, in Normandy. So where are we going to start? Let's start on Utah Beach. Yeah, so Utah Beach, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, these are all pretty close to Cherbourg. Um, it's between Bayeux and the tapestry. Cherbourg. Indeed, famous for the tapestry, but also a very beautiful town in and of itself. Um, untouched by the war. It wasn't bombed at all. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah, it still maintained its medieval core. And uh, so the kind of western flank of the Allies... Um, now, I'm not, I don't know much about war history. I'm not one of those kind of really kind of precise students of like, and D-Day, obviously, the, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's the single biggest landing in human history of, of manpower, you know. Mm. And uh, anyway, so 
the beach is like 5k long. And if you took out all of the monuments and the museum and anything and the name, this is just another beautiful stretch of Normandy Beach. Yeah. Like a big, broad expanse of golden sand, lovely sea. And to all intents and purposes, just a great beach to take the dog for a walk. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not joking. And are there beachgoers there? Yes, that's what I mean. It's just like, so this was what I found kind of, there was a, a wonderful incongruity to kind of, as you approach, there's all the monuments and the museum and the yeah. car park, all related to the Normandy D-Day, yeah, and D-Day. And then you come onto the beach and you walk kind of cut through the dunes and you're just on a beach. And then everybody congregates kind of in that central area. But if you move slightly, if you walk a hundred yards left, all of a sudden you've just got like, you know, four and a half K of beach all to yourself. It's just, and so you can have both. You can do, and, and it really is. And I didn't go into the museum because I had the dog, but, but uh, the guy we were staying with said the museum is brilliant. You yeah. know, and he's French and, you know. Cynical about these things. Uh, so you went on to, uh, where you mentioned Saint-Marie Eglise. Saint-Marie Eglise, so, or Saint-Mère Eglise, sorry, not Saint-Marie. Saint-Mère. Saint Holy Mary uh, uh, Church. Church, yeah. So it's, so this was the, so the Airborne, the, I think it was the 80s. And what was infamous was is that a paratrooper called John Steele. So he came out and his parachute got trapped in the steeple of the church. Okay. Yeah. But he hung there for like, I don't know how many hours feigning death so that the Germans who were in the village wouldn't shoot at him. And he just like hung there like and and survived. Yeah, no, 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 it's amazing. And so, so much so that the church is exactly still there as it was. Now, there is a kind of a big, you know, a D-Day industry has grown up. There's a very good museum or what looks like a really interesting museum, not far from it. But they have like a, a, a model of John Steele hanging, draping from the oh, steeple of the church, which is actually quite cool. Uh, someone texted, say, I stayed in St. Mary Glees a few weeks ago in my camper van and the Airborne Museum there was fantastic. So this is what they were saying. The Airborne Museum is really, really good there. And and generally what I've been told is the quality of the D-Day museums, and there are a bunch of them, mm. are, is really, really high. But I found, so as much as St. Mary Glees is certainly interesting and certainly worth going to visit, I found St. Marie Dumont, which is, Closer, so between Saint-Mary-Glise and Utah Beach is Saint-Marie-du-Mont. Okay. And so this is just, Kieran. it's hard to describe. This is just a classic old French village. The church in the middle, there was two German, two German soldiers were cooped up in the steeple. And as the Americans arrived, there was this intense firefight that lasted throughout the night. The village is virtually unchanged from the 40s. It looks ex- and and the reason I know this is that at every corner of the village there mm. is a picture taken around that time of oh yes my, and you compare it to now and it, it's all unchanged the church is exactly as it was there was one there's one corner where they said you know an American American soldier hid behind the well and the well is just there completely exactly as it was in the yeah. photograph and was just firing on the church and they were firing back at him and. And so that's what I meant by arresting. There was a sense that here I am in 2023 on a wet July day, standing in the village, and it was so easy to be transported back to 1944 and really look around you and go, nothing has changed 
But everything has changed, of course. Yeah. And there was very little tourism in the town. In fact, we were there for a few hours and there was no, like literally. Really? Yeah, the same thing that was in Saint-Mary-Glise wasn't there. Uh, and uh, between Utah Beach and Saint-Marie-de-Mont, are, are there still all the uh, paraphernalia? I mean, are there all the bunkers? Are they still there on the so edge of the beach? On Utah, yeah, there's a bunker. There's stuff. a great, well, I was going to say a great, it's really interesting. It's, and, and they're all accessible. Mm. So there is a bunker upon which was mounted like a he- whatever one of the big artillery guns. Yeah. And you can go into the bunker. I wouldn't advise it because it's just like dripping with water and it just smells to high heaven. But yeah. you can go into it. Like it's fine. And what you do realise is how narrow the entrances are, how small these spaces and how confined. Now, it is worth, I, I did some quick reading about Utah. Is there was relatively little uh, resistance to the Americans on Utah because this is the western flank. It's kind of up the peninsula a little yes. bit. Whereas more of the more of the resistance was on the other beaches. Like the, I think the Germans were massed there, so there wasn't quite. A, but there was still was like you know. I mean, obviously there was it was the war. So, but yeah. So the bunker I found that really. Laura, my wife, kept going. No, don't go in there. Don't. I'm like, what's gonna happen? Yeah, some German might jump out. <laughs> But I think maybe there's a it's sense the of Japanese, like... Japanese, they don't know the war has yeah, ended. Ah, I don't know the war is <laughs> over. Um, anyway, so, and I found that really... And again, what it's done, it's prompted a rewatch of Band of Brothers for the sixth time or whatever. Um, Bric-a-brac you mentioned. So I stayed in Bric-a-bec. This is... I, can I admit, as a travel journalist, I'd never heard of this town. Okay. Never. And what did you say? Very much a medieval town oh, still. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of a, a, an actual Carcassonne because that's an kind of a actual, fake medieval, yeah. medieval town. Now, it's not surrounded by walls. It's surrounded by, you know, modern vets and, and yeah. nice places and, and supermarkets. But the town centre, very medieval. town centre is built around this castle that was built between the 10th and 15th century. And uh, it's now part of the castle is now a fancy hotel. But you can walk in and around the the the, the kind of the yard, the castle mm-hmm. yard, and then, and honest to God, it, like it's that classic French village again, not heavily touristed. So there wasn't there was nothing notably touristy about it, but it was really lovely, and 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 so much so that like for instance, so like I stayed on the edge of Bric-a-Brec. I stayed in in a gite um, called La Bectory, and uh, again, just like classic farmhouse, yeah. seventy five euro. For a night, seventy-five euro with breakfast. Wow, that's great value. In isn't July, it? like it's unbelievably good value, and like you're thinking, this What's is the, the height of summer. Here? Like, and and the room was huge, you know. And you get a really nice breakfast, and the owner was really, really nice and full of chat and full of advice. And the, and what was obviously important for us as dog owners is that we had access to a garden. The owner had a dog called Snow, so Loon and Snow played together. I, Actually, I have to say it was really lovely. Okay. And, yeah, and and uh, but seventy five quid, and then you go into town and you go to the like the local restaurants, and again, like you're coming out of there like forty five quid for two. You know, that's great value, like really good value. So that's Bric-a-Bec. Now, if, if that is somewhere that is kind of remarkable but unknown, uh, somewhere that's just as remarkable but very well known, I want to ask about Mont Saint Michel. Yeah, so Mont Saint Michel. So if you continue kind of down the western flank of the Cotentin Peninsula. Yeah you get to Mont Saint-Michel. And Mont Saint-Michel, for anyone who knows, it's like kind of one of France's most iconic images of the, you know, the kind of the the, the church city that rises from the sea. Mm. And um, now, 
again, is is that what what's famous about it, other than its kind of its stark beauty, is is that this I think it has Europe's highest tidal variation. So the difference between low and high tide, which are only six hours apart, yeah. so bear this in mind when you're there, it can be fifteen meters in the difference. Fifteen meters, yeah. Fifteen meters is what forty five feet. Yeah, yeah. So wow. forty five feet in the difference, like that's astonishing. And so now... So it's, it's inaccessible at, at high tide, is it? It is inaccessible at half high tide. Now, as far as I know, um, it hasn't been, or it only gets kind of completely waterlocked like twice a year, I think. But uh, anyway, but and if the rest of where I was discussing was relatively untouristed, Mont Saint-Michel is packed. Yeah, Absolutely jam-packed and understandably so, because it is really, if you can catch it and it's all about the light, if you can catch it at the either early morning or in the in the late afternoon as the sun is setting, and particularly as the sun is setting in the late evening, it's it's really quite stunning. And is it, is it a man-made island or was there an island there that somebody just settled or what's the story yeah, behind it? Yeah, so basically it goes that in the 8th century, this Bishop Aubert had, had built a, a chapel because he following a, vi- a vision of the Archangel Michael. And oh, yeah. uh, then a couple of hundred years later, Duke of Normandy, Richard I, who was an ancestor of William, the Duke of Normandy, um, he gave Mont Saint-Michel to the Benedictines, who turned it into like a university. And then in the 11th century became this ecclesiastical fortress and with a military garrison. And uh, what's interesting is, is that in the Hundred Years' War, so in the 15th century, yeah. the Great War between the French and the English that lasted for 113 odd years, um, it was besieged three times. And uh, it's the only place, okay, the only place in Western and Northern France not to fall to the English. Oh, really? It was yeah. the only holdout? Yeah, that's right. It's interesting. Um, it was a prison after the French Revolution. And then in 1966, the, the state returned it to the Benedictines. And anyway, so it's a UNESCO. The whole, the whole island was yeah, returned yeah, yeah. to the Benedictines. The whole site. Yeah. Oh, so there's no, nobody lives out there? No. Oh, right. Okay. No, because what happened was, is now, as this is, I'm given to understand that in the last few decades, so sand and silt has built up enormously around the causeway. So, so... The causeway was only built in 1878 to link the island, what was an island, to the mainland. So if, if, if previously, you it, row it, it was the opposite. It was probably more accessible during high tide yes, because you had because to row, you just out. row out there. Okay. But from 1878, you had this causeway. And uh, so basically, is uh, yeah, so the causeway has been replaced by this pedestrian and vehicle road, which is really not vehicle. It's just shuttle buses because it's going back and forth yeah. all the time. And uh, it allows the tides and the river Queno um, uh, you know, so basically that's, it's to control the, the tidal basin. But look, Mont Saint-Michel is, is like, it's one of those eye-catching things to go around the walk. The western end of it is is the famous walk. Like the, ugh, look, it's amazing, but it's also, it's, it's kind of the food is kind of, it's not as good. You don't eat as well there as you if do you, elsewhere. If, you, if you've travelled that far, you kind of feel you have to do it. But oh, yeah, you're yeah, probably yeah. relieved when it's over. You're like, right, we've ticked that box. And if you've taken a nice photograph, you're like, okay, yeah, that one, that's a keeper. Like, and yeah. it's great, you know, and it is beautiful, Kieran. It's like, you know, it's absolutely gorgeous. What about, we mentioned the Bayo Tapestry. I mean, yeah, what, is Bayo kind of a town's land? Is it a town itself? So what as I Bayo? mentioned, yeah. So it's like, if you think about it, so Bayo is really attractive, Beautiful historic town. It's kind of like, oh, built from the 13th to 18th century. So a mishmash of styles that really fit well together. It's got this beautiful Gothic cathedral. But because, so if you think about it, it's famous 
for two defining cross-channel invasions. Okay, oh, in opposite directions. Yes. yes, that are nine hundred years apart. So <laughs> you have the story of the Norman invasion of England of ten sixty six is told in the famous Bayeux Tapestry, and so and it is really like. It is really amazing. Like, you know, so often when you hear, when I first went to see it and you hear it, oh, the Bayou Tapestry, the Bayou Tapestry. It's a bit like, I don't know, there's lots of things. There's a few things that stand up to the hype. This is one of them. And uh, it's really amazing. And then, of course, um, on the 6th of June, listen to this, 160,000 Allied troops supported by 7,000 naval vessels. They stormed ashore just north of town. And... Uh, it was so because it was the first French town to be fully liberated, literally on the 7th of June. So within a day of the landing, yeah. it was liberated. Um, and it's one of the few towns in the entire Calvados, which is that area, to survive practically unscathed. Wow. OK, well, listen, you said it well, uh, Fionn. Uh, normally it's on the wrong side of this famous jet stream at the moment, though, is it? The weather's kind of yeah, more like I, our weather. I was weather. there for two, two, the, two and a half the days that we were there. It was appalling. And then it just <laughs> came out and it was gorgeous. Can I just mention one quick one? Yeah, It's the dunes of Beville, which are up in the northwestern coast. Some of the most, honest to God, again, the guy, the Jeet owner told me about them. I'd never heard of them. I str- if I had to pick one place to go, go to the dunes of Beville. What's so impressive about them? They are these massive, I mean, enormous sand dunes that go down to the sea. Now Bigger than Tremor. Stop it. Behave yourself. <laughs> but they're bookended. Perhaps the advertising is wrong. They're bookended by a nuclear power station, like 10 kilometres down <laughs> right. one end, and then a nuclear waste disposal unit down another end. Right. But in between them are these extraordinary dunes and this extraordinary beach. And really one of the most beautiful places I've seen in my travels in Europe. Beautiful and radioactive. John Davenport, <laughs> thank you very much. We'll talk to you again at the same time uh, next week. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.